You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, hello, friends. On Walk It Out, we are talking about a more difficult subject today. We're going to be talking about a book called Groomed, Overcoming the Messages that Shaped Our Past and Limit Our Future. But I know this is such an important topic as someone who has adopted girls, older girls from foster care, as someone who works with teen moms regularly. The stories I hear are so heartbreaking. And I think even though this is a hard topic, we all just need to be educated on what's really happening. And we need to be a voice and a help for those who need our love. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. Elizabeth Fisher-Good is a CEO and founder of Sela Freedom and Sela Way Foundation, which exists to prevent sexual abuse, exploitation, and sex trafficking of children and young adults. Through her leadership, thousands of American children and young adults who have been rescued from the sex trade have found freedom. She has also helped educate millions on the topics of exploitation and sex trafficking. Elizabeth speaks and trains internationally and is passionate about protecting our youth from the secrets of abuse so many so, so many of them are forced to keep. Her family is her true pride and joy, and she lives with her husband and three children in Sarasota, Florida. So welcome, Elizabeth. Hello. Thank you, Trisha, so much for having me on the show. Thank you. Yeah, and just start by telling me a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a born and raised Chicagoan, been in Florida for the last 10 years, um, had a you know very ethnic fun family growing up, and um, the youngest of probably 35 cousins. And through that process, my dad came over from Puerto Rico. My mom is from Arkansas, like super, super rural, Melendez and O'Brien, and uh, just went through a lot in a really young life, had some serious losses, serious mm-hmm. secrets, serious trauma, um, and just sort of tried to navigate. And I think, you know, we always say, you know, God, God gives us our stories for a reason. Like, I think everything that I'm going to share and talk with you about today, like it's now in gratitude that I could see how God used all of that, you know, the loss of my sister, different, you know, things that were, you know, horrible at the time, but it just makes you so much more relatable and have the ability to really speak into others' lives and just be humble. And so there's a lot to my story. (laughs) There is. And now I'm in Arkansas, so we you are just are. south of Little Rock. Yes. Get out of here. I'm coming in in the next couple of weeks. I got to see you. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, we could do that. <laughs> Outside cafe. <laughs> yes, not exactly. so many things are open. Yeah, that's exactly. awesome. Yeah, so we, yeah. Yeah, I live, we've lived here about 10 years, but yeah, just outside of Little Rock. Aw, that's excellent. One of my favorite uncles is actually really getting old there, and I haven't seen him in quite a few years. And if you read the book Groomed, he was my great uncle that I just loved, loved, loved. And I had another person that was close to us that was one of the guys that actually abused me, and it mm-hmm. shut me down to a lot. So I sort of avoided these guys. So going back to Arkansas for me is a very big, beautiful, full circle. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Now, 
let's just start with your story because I know, I mean, you've already mentioned the loss of your sister and then this church person that hurt you, which is so familiar to so many people, including me. I mean, so oh, just start by telling yeah. a little bit about your story. Okay. Well, um, raised in Chicago, but my mom's family was in Arkansas. So every summer we would go to Arkansas and it was just beautiful. Like my dad's this his family is a loud Puerto Rican city fun. And then you go to rural Arkansas um, and just everyone had acres and acres and acres and baby chicks and horses. And I would name the babies when they're born. And just, it was like the little idyllic getaway. Um, and after coming home, I'm 10, I was nine years younger than my sister and 11 years younger than my brother. And after coming home from Arkansas the summer that I was turning seven, my brother was putting away his rifles and everything and just crazy accident. The gun fired. My sister was in the hallway. It fired through a doorway and hit her in the temple. He was mm. 17. She was 15 and she was just killed instantly. So that was pretty traumatic because she was like my emotional everything. My mom's right. one of those fantastic caretakers, but not super emotional. And she was, I was like her little baby doll, you know, and you go to bed with this, you know, everything intact and you wake up to chaos. And I think from that point on, I've had a very, um, I want to, want to say insulated journey, I guess, because it was a lot of me really taking care of me from that point on. All of my amazing people just were overwhelmed with grief and trying to survive because, you know, he had taken her life himself. So he sort of just lost it, joined the Navy, mm-hmm. turned 18, a few months later left. My parents just pretty much shut down. So that was the beginning of sort of um, a journey to trying to figure things out on my own. You know, I wasn't getting asked how I was grieving because everyone else was grieving. I thought I was too young to really feel it. So that's, that's a big point of the book, you know, the things that we weren't given the opportunity to take and, and Yeah. And I think kids, they don't know how to process things. Um, and then when and you talk about like, no one talked about your sister, um, you know, and, and even said you're too young to remember her. I mean, all these things that people were telling you, kids yeah. just kind of pull into themselves and they don't know how to process things. And we've adopted, um, well, we've adopted seven kids, but four of them we adopt oh. as teenagers. And even the things that are good, sometimes they think are bad and the things are bad. They think are good because kid, little kids just yeah. don't know how to process things. And um, it, it just takes talking through a lot. But I can see as a young girl just thinking, I'm alone. And like, there's no one I could talk to. You lost your sister. You know, your, your parents split up. I mean, that is so hard for a little kid to go through. And then I know it just builds as the years go by on these different beliefs that we have. Yeah, thing after thing happened. So sort of, you know, one of the the pivotal things I speak about in there is a few months later, one of my cousins was getting married and I was a flower girl and there's all the bridesmaids of all the cousins and they left the spot where my sister would have stood. And um, afterwards, I was just crying. I remember sitting in my little crumply dress and just crying. And one of the oldest cousins came up to me and she's like, why are you crying? And I'm like, oh, because I miss Diana. And she's like, you didn't even, you're not even old enough to remember her. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wow, like people just don't want to know how I'm doing. Okay, I must not, I shouldn't feel anything. So then when it rolled into, you know, a few summers later, I had one of those, you know, leaders in the church that he totally shocked me by sexually molesting me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went up and took his position on the stage as the worship leader, you know, picked up his guitar and started singing. And I was like, oh my gosh, but I, I, there was not a thing in me that would have thought to tell someone. 
because right. I'd already been groomed to think no one really needs to know how you feel. Yeah. Other people's feelings are more important. And I just kept it, you know? And I think with most girls but and boys, if something happens like that, we turn inward. But I had already gotten that messaging pretty strong. And it's so true. And even thinking back, I mean, I became sexually active at a young age and just all the, just this input of movies that my, so my stepdad especially watched. And I mean, women were just treated so poorly and that's what girls were good for. And that's how you get a boy. (laughs) And looking back, I mean, for years it was like that guilt, like I'm such a horrible person, but like reading a book like Groomed and then working with teen moms and then having teen daughters, it's like, it's not your fault. Like there's so many messages that are going in and so many people hurting you. And I think we internalize it like we're a bad person or we are that type of person or, you know, when someone abuses us, we deserve it. I mean, there's so many things that we do get groomed for. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? And I have no greater passion because a child, I mean, I believe, I think the enemy tries to take our identity before we're born, right? He would Mm -hmm. love to have everybody killed before they're born. Um, But if he could get somebody through sexual abuse or something happening in the deepest place of your intimacy like that, it screws up an identity for so long. It's one of the only crimes that is done against the victim. And then the victim takes on all of the shame, you know, all of the horrific feelings and just everything's upon yourself. And so for me, like looking at, like you said, look at our society today. I mean, when you and I groomed, we're, we're growing up. I mean, there was playboys laying around and mm-hmm. maybe it was the beginning of on TV and porn and things like that. But now the images and teen porn is the most searched on the internet. It's the most sought after porn. Teen porn is what is entered into the search bar. And the way that the shows are, there's always a strip, you know, pole in the background of any TV show. There's always, if you notice, like there's something introduced to desensitize. Our kids are getting desensitized and we have a prevention program at one of the foundations that I run. And it works with kids kindergarten through high school. And people are always like, oh, you shouldn't start in kindergarten. That's too little. You should start in high school. I'm like, by high school, they've been keeping secrets for seven years. Like you have got to start in kindergarten because they're getting groomed. With, even if someone doesn't sexually abuse a kid, one out of nine of our little kids are getting approached on social media being told they're pretty. Hey, you want to pull your shirt down a little bit? Like this world is so crazy. And my passion is to just get in front of girls and help them and boys realize their worth because I think we're the great, our, our kids are the greatest target there is. And it just, we have to have a wake up call, you know, wake up call in the church to talk about what's happening, a wake up call for parents to really look at it and see how young eight, eight years old is when most kids are exposed to porn. Yeah, and it's usually another kid with a phone or some access mm-hmm. to the internet the saying, "Look at them." Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, neighborhood kid down the street. Yeah, I saw yeah. someone's naked butt on someone's phone. I'm like, "Oh my goodness, no!" You know, yeah. I mean, this is my own children in my own neighborhood with yeah. kids that we trust and we know their parents. And you know, I mean, it's just like, oh, it's so so hard. Well, um, and the thing is that you know, abuse is learned. And if the stats now, the good news is, when we started this over a decade ago, it used to be one out of three little girls and one out of five little boys have been sexually abused. And now they say one out of ten children, regardless of the sex, is carrying mm-hmm. a secret of sexual abuse. So, a little kid that's being abused, you know, he's going to act it out on his little friends, not out of malice, but just because he's acting out what's happened to him. And that's why there's so much peer on peer, like getting people to talk about the peer on peer things that they've encountered. There's just so much that um, we need to like, I want to see the the church make it comfortable to talk about it because kids need to, 
and just our world needs to get comfortable talking about it. Cause when it's kept like your story, and my story, you know, you may get promiscuous, you start acting out, you start doing things you never thought you'd do. And it's hard to get back on the right path. Super hard. Absolutely. And I work with teen moms. We have a teen mom support group in Little Rock. And we brought someone in um, just because they often leave their kids in unsafe situations. So, you know, they leave them with neighbors and friends. And, um, you know, so we just wanted them to be aware of, you know, you just can't leave your kids if someone offers a babysit. Like, it's not okay. I know you want to go out with your friends. But as this person was talking, um, you know, this person shared how she'd been sexually abused. And the the room just changed. You could just tell everyone, you know, started looking down and crying and she's yeah. like, hold on, like we need to talk about this. And in that one meeting, there's probably 25 young women and all the leaders. We discovered every single young mom had been sexually abused. Every single yeah. leader had been sexually abused in the whole room. And, you know, one young mom I was talking to, she's like, I never had a chance to say no, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, we say, say no to sex and all the things we tell kids, Um, but they never had a chance. And so then all of a sudden that's already taken away from them. Then they have the high school boyfriend or whatever. I mean, it's this problem. It's a snowball. And then now they have children who are leaving with aunties and uncles and friends. And we're like, no, we got to stop this. And it is, we need to start by talking about it. But first, you know, talking about the hurt that all of us experience and, and sharing that I think really helps too. Yeah, that entire room. Isn't that remarkable? The mm-hmm. entire room. And everyone is like so taboo. And it's like, no, it needs to be so normalized. Yeah. So just how did you, um, just hearing your story, how did you decide, like, this is what I want to commit my time to and my heart to helping um, young people who are sex trafficked, trafficked or are vulnerable to that? Yeah. You know what? I really was not intentionally looking for the trafficking. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of of found me like tends to happen, right? Um, I was passionate. I went back and got my master's in clinical psych in my 20s, like my late 20s when I knew I didn't want to return to the advertising world, you know, after kids. Uh, And when I was pregnant with my first, I remember, I mean, just all the stuff that I was learning. And I was my first internship. They placed me at um, really... um, low income area of Chicago Mm -hmm. and every one of my clients, I mean, it was like super like schizophrenic, just got out of jail, bipolar. I mean like intense stuff that I had no business meeting with these people. That's like a little intern. I felt so bad that they would give people me, but every single story, it didn't matter if it was a man just coming out of prison. Like I had this one man in his late twenties and he said the first time he was abused, he was gang raped in prison in his teens. Mm -hmm. And I had another older woman in her fifties talking about how her uncle started molesting her when she was nine or 10. And I had this beautiful little girl that was like 19 and she could not get past her abuse. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is, and here I'm pregnant with my first daughter. I'm like, how am I going to protect her? And I remember one of my supervisors saying to me, cause I said, I don't know how to raise a girl. Like how I haven't met anybody that has been sexually abused. I've been, how am I going to make sure she's not? And she said, you're asking the wrong question. She said, do you want to be the mom that it's going to go crazy pretending that she won't be, or do you want to be the mom that's so comfortable that she'll be ready to talk to her if she is? Mm. And I'm like, Oh, and I think that's the piece that, um, I mean, so that, that's the part of me, like sexual abuse always intrigued me. Cause I'm like, it's everyone. And then when I lived in the North shore of Chicago, the most wealthy and affluent suburb in Chicagoland, everybody had secrets there too. And I'm like, 
oh, this thing is packaged in so many ways and it manifests in over shopping, overeating, you know, promiscuity. And I just think it's like the greatest secret. I always say it's the best kept secret in America. So I think I was just intrigued. I was so intrigued, like, wow, this root is everywhere. And then I was invited um, because of a women's group, basically from my friends from Florida. We're doing with my friends from Chicago and we just wanted to find underdog charity. And in 2010, someone said, well, how about the fact that our local children are being sold for sex? And I had no clue. Like I was one of those people that thought trafficking was international only. It happened in India. And I don't know what you're talking about. Your right. local kids. And so that was sort of my entree into the sex trafficking world. Cause I assumed it was like the movie taken or white vans or abduction. And then when I was told that in America, it's a very different story and it could affect any of our children because all these little kids that are carrying secrets of sexual abuse are so vulnerable. And the predators mm-hmm. today, it used to be stranger danger coming after our children. And now it's, you know, who you kind of know. And the people that are trafficking our kids, it's shocking. Some of them are the parents, the uncles, the the brothers, friends. Um, and then sometimes a kid is having so much abuse at home that they can't take it and they run away. And the stats tell us within 48 hours, 80% of our own children any zip code in America, Arkansas, Chicago, California, within 48 hours, 80% of a runaway will run right into the arms of a predator who will pursue them to get them into sex trafficking. And when he lures the kids in, they are sold 15 to 40 times a day for typically seven years. And this is, I mean, we worked with thousands of American children and it's the same story again and again. They were 12, they were 13, they ran away, they met a guy, thought he was a boyfriend, turned out not to be a boyfriend by that point. You know, it's bad enough when you're in high school and you get promiscuous and you started to, you slept around or something like that. These guys are telling me you're worth nothing mm-hmm. and you believe it. And they, they don't even, it's seven years typically they spend in this lifestyle. And it's not that they're physically restrained. They don't think they're worth leaving. That's the right. greatest tragedy. Our children are so damaged. They don't think they're worth anything more. Yeah, and it is, it's so heartbreaking. And like you said, they, you think it's a boyfriend, you think it's a friend, you think it's someone you can trust. It's someone that's older and cool, and they're going to take you out, you know, for coffee. And then you are, they find themselves in the situation where they don't know how to get out of it, or they don't later, they don't feel like they can or are worth getting out of it. And then just everyone approaching on social media. Um, one of our teen moms, you know, she talked about, um, she come to, came broken. We hadn't seen her in a couple of months. She came back to our group and, um, you know, she said that she had been selling herself and people had been, because um, she needed diapers for her kids. Because yeah. <laughs> someone had approached her and she was talking about struggling for money and she needed diapers for her kids. And so she got caught up in this thing that she didn't even know how she found herself there. And I'm like, it's so everywhere. And, you know, I have, we have seven daughters and, so I'm like, and, and three yeah. sons. So there's, yeah. there's so much. But You're even, amazing. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. The conversations we have to have and like, uh, yeah, who's, who's putting a like on your photo? You don't know who that is. Like they could, they could say they're a teen boy. You don't know if they're a teen boy or even um, our little girls. We live in a, a very, safe subdivision um you know in the country in the country kind of outside of little rock and our girls were walking around their uh, 10 year old 12 year old and the 11 year old neighbor and all of a sudden these teen boys are like coming in our yard i'm like why are you Mm -mm. who are you why are you following them and you know and it was like no it's not okay like like oh we're just talking you want to see their puppy i'm like no Uh. you guys need to leave go and so now it's like nope you can't even walk around our neighborhood um with unless you have an adult or a you know an older sibling with you because this is in our little sub 
division, our safe neighborhood, these teen boys were following them. And like, this is not okay. (laughs) And you know, Tricia, the majority of parents wouldn't think twice about it and not because they're bad or, you know, it's just lack of knowledge. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, cool. Other neighborhood kids. Oh, they're older. They'll keep an eye on them. Oh, I can maybe go run an errand. (laughs) No, I was like on the porch. I'm like, who are you guys? What are you doing talking to these girls? No, you can't can't be in my yard. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's most people. I mean, that's the beauty of like, we offer these um, classes and they're online. There's one actually there was one last night. We do them about once a month and they're called sex lies and media and they're free online training for mm. parents or teachers, anyone that deals with children. Cause it's, and it walks through, it shows the video, like the mom coming to the door and the daughter slamming her door and her mom's being like, what was on your computer? She's like, nothing. And then she goes back to talking to this, what looks like a little boy that turns out to be a 40 year old man. And it just walks through scenarios because most parents, you know, you and I are the super exception right. to <laughs> talking about this. Most people are like, Oh, Oh, I don't want to no, stop. You know, I don't want to hear about it. But then their children have secrets. And, right. you know, I mean, we're, who knows what, you know, I'm not saying my children are perfect in any way and I didn't do it perfect, but at least the awareness. And that's the piece that I'm passionate about is having the kids feel the permission to not keep a secret and that it's so common and let's talk about it. And for parents to be like, can we just show you something? Can we just world a little bit? Yeah, we'll have to put definitely the links in the show notes for that, for those trainings, because I think it's so important. And even talking to my kids about it, because they're like, Mom, you're overreacting. I'm like, okay, imagine, you know, you are a parent and there's, you have a a toddler that's in a yard and there's a fence around to protect the toddler. And outside there's a a busy road, there's strangers, like you are going to keep that fence up to protect your toddler from all that's happening. But then there's someone that says, here, here's a little way to get out of the yard. And they're trying to lure the toddler. Is that okay? And they're like, no. And I'm like, that's what all these people are online. I'm like, you're not a toddler. But there are people that are trying to draw you out. There's unsafe stuff out there. They want you to be lured out. And I'm like, there's a fence. We're staying behind the fence. And you might think it's overreacting. But I want to keep you safe. And the fence, absolutely. And there was... um. A Native American man was telling the story. He lived in like the most remote, did, you know, didn't even need the fence, had the whole Native community, Native American <laughs> community, just isolated. He was 52 miles from the nearest Walmart, 50 miles from the nearest McDonald's. And he said, I never thought trafficking could enter the world of our children. He mm-hmm. said, but everybody has the internet. He mm-hmm. said, and the mistake we made was we thought, you know, our pride and it's all about, you know, our history and we kept their world very small Mm -hmm. and it just took one guy on the internet to get to his daughter and created this big possible glamorous life so far than anything she's ever even dreamed of. He said, we didn't help my daughter dream big enough because someone came along and within a few days got her to dream big and she bought it. And then he Mm. cultivated her for months online saying, you know, the more I think about it, I met this guy. He actually is a agent. I could get you into modeling. You just have to meet me. Can you get to town? She got herself 52 miles into the Walmart and met this man and was in, he was, she was trafficked for two years. It took two years for this family to get her back. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And yeah. so, and, and, and they, they are there and they are, they're 
they're presenting these dreams like you're saying you know you're beautiful I, I saw your video you dance great you sing great all these things and I'm like no no so we are yeah, yeah all we I mean we talk about it but it is so hard just even having kids today so I mean what encouragement can you give for parents to yeah. talk about have these conversations and start to young yes well, I think, I mean, the, the book Groomed, what's so interesting about my book is that it's not about sex trafficking. You know, it's not a book about trafficking right. and it's exactly. not a book about sexual abuse and it's not a book about here's step one, two, and three on protecting your kids. But the reason that it's so effective in if, if people are open to reading the book and doing the work in the book, it will totally change the way you parent because it's going to totally change the way you look at yourself because mm-hmm. it gets into everything but sexually, you know, like talks about what are our relationships like? What are our marriages like? What are our friendships like? The things that we're groomed for in other realms and it helps like connect the dots. I've had so many mothers that have gone through this group with me and they're like, it's bringing up thing and it's making connections. And and there are things that what, what the secret, like I like to say, the secret sauce I believe is getting so comfortable with our own stories and getting so comfortable with our own every aspect of it, that we can talk about it with our children. And sometimes it's just that comfortable talking that makes kids no longer vulnerable. I think mm-hmm. so often we overdo it with, I don't want, to, don't want to tell them that about my past. Or I don't want to tell them that about my relationship with their dad or this about this before their dad. But those are the things that we need to get so comfortable with. And in the book, it actually it just sort of opens people's eyes. It goes through chapters like, you know, where you groom to endure. Sometimes we think we're so strong because we can make it through anything. And that enduring is sending messages. So it's it's getting our stuff cleaned up so that we're not unconsciously sending messages to our kids because they're just emulating us. They're looking mm-hmm. and they're going to come out pretty similar to some of the messaging that we're sending to them. So it helps us be aware of our messages and it helps the cycles to be broken because very often what we're not able to know, like our blind spots become our children's. And then you're watching. That's why you always see generational, the same sort of things happening generation to generation to generation. So it just, my greatest advice for people and my, what I would love, like we're launching groom groups throughout the country. doesn't matter where you live because we're doing them all on Zoom video. And it's just a beautiful five-week journey of self-discovery. I think the more self-aware you are, the more you're going to be able to protect, talk like you. You're very open. And that's something that your kids might be like, no, mom, like my kids always say, mom, I didn't get raped today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you're talking about it. You know, you're talking about all kinds of things. And I think the book is a great tool to get you comfortable talking about a lot of different things and stories that you can share and talk with your kids and your family. And I think so many times parents think, oh, I don't want to tell my kids about the mistakes I made because then they'll think they can do it. And I think it's just the opposite. It's like 1000% opposite. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. And when I say like, I'm well, because I and I have written about it because I'm a writer. So I've written about I was a teen mom. Um, I had an abortion when I was 15. I had a baby when I was 17. All these all these things were in a books. And because I was writing about it, I had to talk to my kids because I didn't want them to hear about it from a friend at church who's like your mom was talking at our church today or whatever. And So I had to start these conversations and what I found, um, my older kids are uh, 31, 28 and 26. What I found is when they were teens, when I was, um, you know, just a couple of years into talking about it and sharing my story, 
I would hear them telling their friends, well, my mom had this experience and maybe you should consider like doing something different. Like they were using my story even to impact their friends and where I thought like, oh, I don't want them to look at me differently. It was actually empowering them to make better decisions with their lives than, and even talk to their friends about it because the conversation was out there. And really it was like on the way to church, the first time I was going to share my testimony, I'm like, I need to tell my kids right now. (laughs) I'm going to be in front of the church in like an hour. And, uh, and they were little, I mean, I think the youngest was probably five at the time, you know, five, seven and nine age. And it's so hard to like share that stuff. And they're like, we love you, mommy. And even at the beginning, I know they didn't fully understand everything, but just sharing the story, I think is so important. And then because we are open, I know that they can, I've had kids come, you know, like someone tried to message me or they, they can feel like they can approach me because we are talking about it. Yeah. And it's counterintuitive. Everything in us says, oh, I just am never going to share this. There's so many, so many things. And the book is really fun because it's written. It's funny. It's not like it's, it's a heavy read, but it's a funny read. <laughs> it's sort of, it, it gets into the deep stuff, but it does it with a sense of humor because it's all just, it's life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I talk about things in my, my marriage where I was, was like, Oh, I got it. And that was like my, my, my catchphrase. I got it. Like this would happen. Oh no, I got it. It's fine. I got it. And just the taking on and the taking on and the taking on. And then just the connections of why am I a, you know, why am I always doing things that are beyond what I know I want to do? And they're actually overwhelming and I am feeling resentment and it just, it helps piece together like our histories and gives us tools to talk about it. So we don't create the same patterns in our kids. And I think it's just, um, a really cool opportunity to look at the way you were groomed, you know, it gets into groomed for appearances, groomed to feel, you know, the, the scarcity of finances, you know, that was a big one for me growing up. There's never enough. There's not enough for me, you know, the, right. and, and all of the messaging. And then did I raise kids to think there's not enough, you know, did I give them that poverty mindset? And it, it examines a lot of those things. So it's, it's, it's a full spectrum, but it, it will hit all the areas. <laughs> yeah. Cause it talks about, um, Groomed for appearance, groomed to be invisible, groomed to endure, groomed for judgment, groomed for financial failure. I mean, I know I was not like, as I'm reading, I'm like, I wasn't even thinking of these things are connected at all. But then, yeah. So just share a little bit about that. I mean, just how did you realize like, okay, there's so much more to this, to all of it than maybe you originally thought? Well, I think in event and like one of the exercises is, you know, taking you through your childhood from like ages zero to 10, you know, what were the five highlights? What are five great things you remember? What are five sad things you remember? And just bringing up things because often like people read it and they're like, oh, they'll open the book and they're like, hmm, I I don't really know what this means, but, you know, I'm going to look at this groomed for um, to be invisible. And I have a woman that I've known and she's probably in her seventies and she read the book and she came crying and she said, I've been groomed to be invisible. And then she mm. just wanted to share all this stuff. And, you know, and so often we're like, Oh, it's the root. It, it all goes back to sexual abuse, but it doesn't, it goes back to different things and different people. So the book helps everybody sort of get their voice back in ways they might not have even realized they lost it. Um, and, and this one was like, I can't believe she said, but when I went through the book, I realized, you know, this happened when I was seven and then this happened when I was 10. And then I realized nobody really cares. So hers was a different pathway of being invisible, but she played that role. And then goes on and one woman talks about, 
how, you know, she, she had her eyes awakened to open to the fact that she plays a supporting role in her own life. She's never the main character. She's always the supporting actress. Mm, <laughs> wow. And so I just think, and even groomed for judgment, like that's a big one. You know, I was like you, you know, I had so many secrets and had had an abortion in my teens and I, I buried mine for 17 years. And in that 17 years of my twenties and early thirties, I had every church leadership position there was. And when we are hiding things, Mm -hmm. we don't even realize the blind spot that we carry of judgment. And there's a whole chapter on groomed for judgment and how sometimes it feels good. (laughs) So it's a really neat um, unpacking of things, like you said, that people didn't really think about or they wouldn't connect, but it's it's all a connection because the truth is, you know, we were created for we're created in God's image. We're created for greatness. We're created for, you know, we could do the impossible through our relationship with Christ. But so often we get settled into our little status quo. And this book will just sort of poke some holes at it to try to get you to take another step and another step because there's always more. There's always more. So it's an invitation to step into freedom you might not even know you need or a next layer area of just who you are that you yeah. never thought, you know, you didn't have the the courage or you weren't worth it. You know, the same messaging, we all have it and it just manifests in a little bit different ways. So this book sort of will get into whatever, whatever the areas are. And it's just beautiful self-discovery. I'm surprised with different people will text me or message me and say, I can't even believe it. I can't stop crying. Mm. But then they take some action steps. And I think that's the fun thing about it. It doesn't leave you there. It takes you into, you know, what do you need to release talks about forgiveness and then it goes into relaunch and it does some really exciting um helps people look at it in a really different way with a lot of support yeah and then so again i think once we start maybe seeing like why do i have this reaction or <laughs> why do i think this way and then you can you can start going back to those moments um once you start asking yourself questions then you realize oh there's more stuff than I even thought. And um, it is a, a sense of discovery within yourself. I remember just within well, the last couple of weeks, we had a situation where one of our older kids was um, just acting out against one of her younger kids. And I pulled them both in the room and said, this is not acceptable. And my husband was like, you are really stern. Like it wasn't that, mm-hmm. like, it didn't seem like that big of a situation. And I realized like, why am I so stern about that? And I, I just said, you know what, growing up, my stepdad, um, like my brother would get away with just being mean to me and he would never do anything. He would just like ignore it. And I'm like, I want, I wanted my younger child to know, like, it's not okay. Like I was being stern because I wanted her to know it was not okay. And for me just to like pause and like, why did I have that such big of a reaction? So then even I had to go apologize to my older child. I'm like, I know, you know, it seemed like I overreacted, but this is why. And just opening up the conversation, but really like took me like, why do I, why was I so stern about this? And it, yeah. it was that feeling like I wanted, yeah, I, I didn't feel like I had someone advocating for me when I was little and I wanted to be that advocate. But, you know, it's just like, oh, it's like this sense of discovery as you're going through yeah. looking at your own emotions. Like, why am I doing these things? Yeah, it's, it's a good, I mean, it's an invitation. I hope yes. that people will receive the invitation and open it up. Oh, and absolutely. it's a great time because we're starting groomed groups in the month of July and people could join. And that's the beauty of it too. It's an intimate way to connect because people live in different places around the country and it's a limited number and you're able to be on there with other people going through the book in a five week process. And it's, it's a cool like popcorn effect. Like this one says that and you're like, Oh my gosh, they said that out loud. I could say that we're talking about that. 
Yes. Wow. <laughs> it goes yeah. places that people are like, wow, this is the greatest gift. Yes. So I would love to invite your audience if they want to participate in a groom. Oh, group. absolutely. We will put all the, we'll put it in all the show notes and um, send the links and, and post all the information about that. Um, and again, the book is Groomed, Overcoming the Messages that Shaped Our Past and Limit Our Future. Um, Elizabeth Fisher Good, thank you so much for being here. This book is like you're not just going to sit down and like buzz through it because it's, it's causing me to pause and think and and I talk a lot about this kind of stuff so <laughs> it's it's all really good and I think it's so important for us to understand and to share our stories and to offer hope to other people like you're saying when we can find this healing within ourselves and understand ourselves and share our stories it, it just helps our kids and our and the the people in our community in so many ways. So thank you for just even sharing your heart and being willing to open up so that we can all find more healing. Thank you so much, Trisha. I love the time with you. Thank you. Okay, friends, I have to say that talking to Elizabeth was eye opening to me. Um, So I think so many times we have ideas of what being groomed means. I actually, in volunteering um, in children's ministry, went through a webinar. I mean, it was hours, hours long, and it talks about what to look for in predators and if they're grooming someone, um, you know, that they're they're going to exploit them. But I, after talking to Elizabeth, after looking through her book, I realized even more how we have been groomed in everyday life, um, whether it is about how we need to look, how we need to act, um, what we need to do to get a boyfriend, all these things. It's just like these, these, um, bells are going off in my mind. Ding, ding, ding. Like this is amazing. So the more I've thought about it, this, so I'm recording this, um, a little while after actually had this conversation with Elizabeth. I think the more that I keep thinking about, the more I realized how even growing up as a young woman, the movies, my stepdad watched, um, the music that was listened to my stepdad was not a Christian at home. My grand, my mom and my grandma became a Christian when I was very young. And, just realizing that all those messages um, from MTV and our local radio and the music I listened to was just telling me that I need to be a certain way to be loved and to be cherished, which, of course, when I you know gave myself away in those areas, it stripped me of the dignity and the feeling that I was important. So it is amazing how Elizabeth has been able to take this hard issue um, that we you know talk about sex trafficking and those victims out there, but also bring it home to us. So it's a personal thing that we can start thinking about what we were taught, how our beliefs were formed, and how unknowingly we may be passing that on to other people. So this is why I think it's such an important book that this is not a book about sex trafficking. It's a book at understanding the messages that we take in and how they have impacted every part of our lives. I think it's so cool that Elizabeth, um, when she has so many messages that she, she can be sharing, this is the one that really can apply to every single woman out there. 
So the walk it out verse of this week is 2 Corinthians 10, 5. And this says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I'm going to read that again because I'm going to read it because I want to, I want you to think about this. So when I would read the scripture before, I would always think of like those really bad thoughts, those ways I wanted to sin, um, maybe shows that I thought, oh, well, it doesn't really matter if I watch this movie or whatever those thoughts are. I thought it was completely like something that was, I was choosing to have a thought that went against God. But now as I'm thinking about this more, talking to Elizabeth, um, going through some of her book, the arguments and pretensions that set itself up against the knowledge of God, sometimes those thoughts have filtered into how we view ourselves, view our worth, view what beauty is, view what value is. Um, just the other day, you know, like personally, I've always struggled with my weight. I've always been, you know, heavier than I wish I was, definitely heavier than I was in high school. And the other day, I'm like, okay, I know I need to seek help, but I'm never going to look like the magazine cover and it's okay. Like, it's almost like, here I am, almost, my birthday's coming up, almost 49 years old and saying, it's okay. Like, it's not as, as, as hard as it is to um, maybe deal with not being as healthy as I should. It's not as what I set it up in my mind that I'm this horrible person or whatever, whatever it is. It's not really, I think I'm a horrible person, but those feelings of wanting to be thin, maybe it's not as important. Maybe, um, I don't need to put my worth and value there to be a certain size. Maybe I can seek God for help without having all those thoughts in my mind, that have been there since I was a little watching MTV, looking at 17 magazine, wanting to be like that. Maybe I need to do some thoughts and digging around that. So such good stuff. Anyway, this first again, <laughs> I feel like I'm rambling, but I hope you know what I'm saying. This first again, second Corinthians 10, five, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so really, Obedience to Christ, what does that mean today? It doesn't mean serving someone, being thoughtful towards someone. Does it mean loving ourselves and having peace and grace toward ourselves? Is that what is that what God is telling us to do today? To just give ourselves grace? It could be. It could be. Um, so anyway, all that to say, I really enjoyed this conversation with Elizabeth. I really recommend this book, Groomed. Um, and it really has me thinking, as you could tell. <laughs> I am rambling. Anyway, let me pray for us. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for every listener out there. I just pray, Lord, that as they listened to this conversation today, that they'll start thinking about maybe ways they've been groomed by society standards and that are putting thoughts against themselves, against others that should not be there, Lord. I pray that you'll help us to take every thought obedient to Christ 
and help us to see, Lord, how you see us and see maybe we're seeking good things, but for the wrong wrong reasons. Help us to look at our motives, look at our desires, and again, open up our hands and lift them up to Christ and say, how do you see this? How should I see this? Instead of all the ways we've been groomed by society to have those negative thoughts against ourselves, um, where we just feel like we're not enough, and then we start seeking our enoughness in other ways, Lord, instead of you. So help us today with our thoughts. I pray for Elizabeth. I pray for her ministry. I thank you so much for how you have called her just to be a voice for so many people. I pray for all these young women. I have have so many young women, even in my house, and I see the the lies they hear and the struggles they they feel and their feelings of not feeling enough. And I pray for all the young women in my home and in the homes of my listeners, the neighborhoods of my listeners, that we can point them to your truth and remind them over and over again of their value and worth. I just pray um, that you will bless Elizabeth's ministry and bring others on board to help her serve others for your glory. And I thank you for this day. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friend, I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful that you take your time to listen, to walk it out. And my desire for you is that you will sit down with the word of God. And as you go to God in his word, that you will be open to what God is asking you to do, that you will look at those scriptures saying, Lord, how can I walk it out today? Who can I encourage? Who can I inspire? Who can I remind of their worth? I think that's so important when we look at that time that we spend in God's word, not only to say, well, that encouraged me for today, but we will say, how can I walk it out. So that is my encouragement that you will go and you will walk out all that God is asking you to do. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.